0: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the Senior Pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as His follower, and share His hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. um, That song I didn't choose, it fits in beautifully with what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. And in fact, just to give you a little bit of flavour, a little bit of warning, this sermon is for somebody in this church. And I know that, and I'll tell you why I know that. Because um, I don't preach. I'm not a gifted preacher. I've not been called to preach. I've not been gone through Bible college. I've not done anything which prepares me to preach. And a few times people have asked me to preach, and I've said, I'm not a preacher. I'll come and talk about something schools work, but I'm not a preacher. About four weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was sitting in my Bible study group with some friends and um, the Lord spoke to me about this passage and absolutely nailed me with, you've got to preach about that. I want you to preach about that. I've not had that vision of that way of this morning's reading. I've not thought of it like that. And he said, you've got to preach about that. And I shared that with my wife that evening. And she laughed. She knows what I'm like. But I don't preach. And the next morning, Jason emailed me. And he emailed me. He said, "Um, we've got a space space on the 4th of August. There's been a slight issue here. I know, you? would you be able to preach? And I emailed back saying, well, I I don't preach, but it's a bit weird you've asked me. And it went on, but basically what it turned into, um, he asked me, okay, you can preach on anything you like, but if God's asked you to to do something, well, okay, well, let's have faith in him. And he asked me what the passage was that I'd nailed. Guess what passage he'd chosen for this morning? So already on your preaching plan? Not only is it the same story, it's the same verses. This is for somebody this morning. So, can I have the first slide up, please? Miracles at the lake. Do you believe in miracles? Good. Good start. Any of you got a book that from your childhood changed your life? I'm not going to allow the Bible at this point, okay? Because, you know, the old children, they go, oh, the answer's Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Did any of you have a book that changed your life? Anybody? Shout one out if it did. Anything that stuck out from your childhood? Yeah. Why is that? And it really struck you, didn't it? Thank you. It struck him, didn't it? Even all these years later. Has anybody else got a book that they go, oh yeah. Now I'm not going to ask everybody to come up with something because this is mine. Has anybody ever read this book? Hands up if you've read this book. Tell you what, it changed my life. I'll read out the synopsis. Roald Dahl, you all know about The Magic Finger, is an amazing book because it's narrated by an eight year old girl growing up in the countryside in England on a farm. She lives next door to the Greg family. The Greg family love to hunt. Now, The Magic Finger is a, an ability that she somehow seems to have that she activates it inadvertently whenever she gets intensely angry. The finger shoots out a beam of energy that apparently seeks out whoever's angered the girl with unpredictable consequences. One day, the girl sees Mr. Gregg and his two sons returning home from a hunt with a deer they've killed. And they make fun of her when she tells them off. In a rage, she puts the magic finger on the entire family. They wake up the following morning to find they've shrunk to the size of birds and develop wings in place of their arms. While trying their wings, the Greggs fly out of their house which is promptly occupied by a family of human-sized ducks with human hands. And they're forced to make a nest in an old tree for the night. The following morning, the Gregs find that, in a major reversal of their habits, the ducks are holding hunting guns and are hunting them down. Desperately, Mr and Mrs Gregg plead with the ducks not to shoot them, but one of the ducks taunts them about their own fondness for shooting Mr. Gregg promises to give up shooting, destroy his guns, swearing never to hurt another animal again. The ducks let them leave, and the Greggs find themselves returned to normal. The girl comes by the farm next day, discovers that the Gregg family, who have now changed their, surname, changed their surname to Egg, have fully changed their ways. They're now feeding and caring for the birds as they tell her their story. The sound of gunfire in the distance attracts the girl's attention and she feels the magic finger charging again and she runs off towards the sound. Why did that change my life? I wanted a magic finger. I don't know if any of you have felt this. Have you ever felt if I could just reach out and touch for some of us, it's a bit of a childhood thing, that kind of, if I could uh, what, if I could just change the world with my, f- this. And I wonder, it got me thinking as a child, what would I do with that? What would you do with a magic finger, the ability to do anything, to change something? I'm not going to necessarily ask for loads of, because we might have some very strange ones come out, but... Um, I wonder what you do. You have the ability to change things. What's that got to do with this morning's sermon? Can you all get access to a Bible, please? If you haven't got one, cuddle up to somebody nearby who's got one. Maybe open up a phone, I don't mind. But we're going to have a look at this story. Because this is the story that God put on Jason's heart this morning. It's the story that God said to me, Preach on that, Simon. But we know this story, don't we? We know this story. It's the feeding of the five thousand. It was a miracle that occurred by a lake. I'm gonna need my glasses for this, so excuse me. I'm gonna read this through to you. Oh, it's up on the screen. Marvellous. You don't need a hand of all. I could look at it from there. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognised them. People ran there by land from all over the towns and arrived ahead of them. So as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a ship. Then he began to teach them many things. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness. It's already late. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. Well, they said to him, should we go and buy 200 and worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Oh, look. When they found out, they said five, two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate, it was filled. They picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves loaves were five thousand men. You all know that story, don't you? You all heard that before. A lovely story. It's a miracle. It's a demonstration of the power of Jesus. How did he do it? Have you ever wondered how it actually happened? What practically actually happened? Did he multiply the food in front of him and then just keep giving baskets? Or did the disciples have a basket each and they were kept putting their hands in and kept pulling it out? How did it actually happen? I, I, I wonder things like that. I look at those sort of things and I'm thinking, wonder what actually really happened. Because all four Gospels have it. All four. It's one of the... F- sort of few things that they all four agree on. Exactly. The details are almost identical. So, What actually happened? I find it interesting there's 12 baskets at the end. It almost gives me impression that the disciples all came back one, they all had a basket each, and they came back, look, I am still full. Makes a point of the 12. I ask questions like, What happened just before it? Why did this happen? Why did Jesus feed 5,000 people? He does it one more time, doesn't he? Matthew and Mark record that he feeds 4,000 a little while later. But Luke and John don't mention it. They don't mention it. But for some reason, this one's in there. So did he only do it one or two times? It's kind of the only times he did it. So there's something specific about this particular occasion, I think. I think Jesus wanted to teach his disciples something. So let's have a look at what was happening just before it. Can you go back to Mark 6, 13, 31? You discover the apostles have gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and give it going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What have they been doing and teaching? Because they've gathered around him. They've come to him and said, Lord, guess what we've been up to? Surely he'd know. Well, they must have been somewhere then, hadn't they? Where had they been? Let's go back. Mark 6, 6 to 13. If you haven't got access to it, let's look at it. I'll read it to you again. Mark 6 is where Jesus went round teaching from village to village. Calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money, no belts. Wear sandals but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testament against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. That's what they were telling Jesus about. They'd been given a magic finger. Jesus had given them authority, and he said, Go change people can you imagine how much of a buzz there must have been when they came back to Jesus can you imagine the 12 of them absolutely overflowing with energy Lord Lord guess what I've been up to they were just they were telling each other probably slapping each other in the back have you did that you did that as well amazing isn't it incredible I, I saw that they'd never done that in their lives what a change Do you think there's a faint possibility they might have been trying to outdo one another with their stories? Do you think they might have been slightly human? You did that? Well, I did it twice. I, I don't know. Can you imagine the buzz? Jesus had given them this amazing power and look what they'd done with it. This happens later on. Some of you might recall the story of Acts 8. There's a man called Simon living in a town. Simon the sorcerer. Now he sees what some of the disciples are doing. Peter, and I think it's um, Philip, but he goes up to them and he says, what are you up to? What can you do? I can do magic tricks. I can fool people. And I earn a bit of money out of it. Goodness me, you've got something amazing. What does he say then? He then says, how much do you want to teach me? Teach me how to do it. I'll pay you. Teach me how to do it. Teach me this magic finger you've got. Give it to me. Because then I could do all kinds of amazingly good. He even says, I'll do amazingly good things. And Peter says to him, get out. You don't want this for you. Oh, sorry, you don't need this you want this for you want this for you. You want this for your benefit. You don't want it for God. I wonder why Peter said that. I go back to this point. I go back to Peter sitting in this group of mates, all slapping each other on the back, going, wasn't that amazing? Weren't we brilliant? And Jesus responds. He says, come with me by yourselves then. Let's go somewhere quiet. I wonder how the disciples felt about that. Hold on a minute. We're ready. We're on fire. And Jesus says, no, 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 calm down. Let's go somewhere quiet. I wonder why. Recuperate, recharge, refocus, think again about why he's given this power. I don't know. I challenge it. I think, why does he say, yes, go quiet? Because I think something happens now. These hungry people all turn up. Jesus is preaching to them. And I reckon the disciples are going, when are we going to get on with it, God? When are we going to get on with it? And I've got some stuff to do. I've got a magic finger. I've got some power I want to manifest. And there's all these hungry people. The disciples say, can you get rid of them, God? Can you get rid of them, Lord? Send them away, they're a pain. Look, they're just interfering with our lives. Look, we want to get on with your work. They're interfering. Get rid of them. Jesus says, what does Jesus say? He says, feed them. You give them something. You give them something to eat. The disciples are going, they're a nuisance. They're under our feet. Fancy not bringing any food out, they're probably saying. Fools. Jesus says, you feed them. I wonder what the disciples said at that point. You having a laugh? There's over 5,000 of them. They're the idiots. They're the ones who didn't get prepared. They're the ones who didn't do the right stuff. We're all right. Look, we've got a little bit of food here. We were going to share it out. But look, 5,000. Look, they've only got themselves to blame. I think at this point, Jesus probably gave out a deep sigh, glanced up to heaven with a little nod of, yeah, here we go again, Dad. They still haven't got it. And asked them to gather what they had. He then performed, for want of a better word, his miracle. I wonder why Jesus did that. Jesus had given them access to incredible power. They'd gone around healing people, preaching, casting out evil spirits. I think they pretty felt amazing. And Jesus says, feed my people then. It was a chance to demonstrate it. Yet maybe it didn't fit in with what they thought it was all about. They want to do something spectacular. They were looking for that moment. Jesus simply wanted them to feed his people. Kind of summed up in a fre- a few a couple of sentences here. They had all the power they needed. They had all the resources required for their at their disposal. And yet for some reason they said, Send them away, Lord. We want to do something spectacular. We could get some with the spiritual stuff, Lord, yet you say, feed my people. What's the lesson for us then? Why am I talking about this this morning? Well, this is the challenge, I suppose, isn't it? Did you know you've got the magic finger? You've already got it. You've got the magic finger. You have the power to change people's lives. You have the power to perform miracles. Some of you in this room have been present when a miracle has been performed. You've witnessed them. You've even possibly, God be praised, been part of one. And you have a story to tell. And God says, do something with my power. So you go, what can I do, God? I think God says, feed my people. There are people placed around this church, around where you work around where you fellowship, and God says, why have I put you in the middle of that group? Put you there to use your magic finger. You're the power that I've given you. It may be that God calls you to do a miracle. It may be in faith you pray and something happens. It may be God just simply says, just feed them. Just feed them. I'm challenged um, very much in the last few weeks. Um, There's a story going on in my life. There's a story going on in my church where um, I'm thinking big thoughts. I'm thinking big dreams. I'm thinking quite spectacular things to do. And there was a moment I was at a prayer meeting a few weeks ago. And I was absolutely overwhelmed by this prayer, this thought, this kind of sense. God, you're calling me to do that? No, it's just too big, God. I genuinely had that moment in my life. I don't know if some of you had that moment in your life. That's too big. I'm thinking too big. And a woman came over to me. And she put her hand on. I know her from somewhere else. And she said, "Just God's just asked me to come and pray with you. So she prayed with me. And we, she prayed for me. And it was a lovely prayer, very supportive. And, and then finished. And she said, no, there's something else. God's given me a verse. And he says, um, God says he can do him more, immeasurably more, than you are currently imagining. And that blew me away. I think God is asking his people perform miracles. Step out. Do something big. Feed his people. Do it for him. Can we pray. Lord God, whatever words I've used this morning, I pray that you would use your power to translate them into somebody's heart. I pray that as a result of being in church this morning and meeting with the risen Savior, somebody this morning changes what they're doing and does something new, does something different. I pray, Lord, that you will be seen in this fellowship through your power, through your authority, and they're also through your feeding of people, through this fellowship here. I pray, Lord, for the seats that are going to be over to my side here, that can be the new area. I pray that one day in the near future they will be having to put more seats in, because your people are being fed. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on this place once more, again and again and again, so that your people will be fed. And I pray for my friends here this morning that they will be the vessels by which that happens. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.